Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 456 on Tuesday, the 22nd of February, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be noting how one company is suddenly very keen on marine salvage. We're also interested at how easy business is when the fighting stops. And we are all looking forward to hearing one driver's list of implausible excuses. But first, no, there is no but first. We go straight into new news. Yes, we do. Yeah. No follow-up this week, which is nice. And it is the news that there is a ship carrying a bunch of Volkswagen Group cars that is on fire in the Atlantic. And, oh dear, that's a lot of money going up in smoke, frankly. Not just for there the is. ship, <laughs> but the cargo. So Porsche has confirmed that they have some cars on there. We don't know what other cars from the uh, from the Volkswagen Group are involved in there. Uh, there's conflicting reports, actually, on where the fire started. Some have said it started in the cargo bay. Some have said it started in the engine room and then spread to the rest of the ship. But basically, they are still desperately trying to put the ship out and then uh, salvage the or get a salvage crew onto the ship to then bring it back into a port. All the crew have been taken safely off the vessel, though, by the mm -hmm. Portuguese Navy, which is, let's be frank, the most important thing here. Nobody's been hurt, no loss of life. That's the most yeah. important bit. Bits of metal and plastic we can put back together again at another time. Yes, the, the ship was called the Felicity Ace, by the way, and can carry up to 4,000 cars. It was sailing from Emden in Germany to Davisville, Rhode Island, which surprises me, actually, that it's going to Rhode Island because I would have thought it would be going somewhere further south because that's where Porsche North America is, is based hmm. um, down charlotteville for some reason jumps to mind it's relatively far south so surprising to, to see it go up to new england anyway enough geography lesson renault group good news from them they are seeing or they're saying they're seeing their renolution plan taking effect and they've done it i know it's good isn't it and that's meant that they have returned to profitability in 2021 after two years of losses understandable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, quite. It's pretty good. They've also achieved an operating margin more than uh, of more than three percent, two years ahead of the original schedule. Uh, they've reduced their fixed costs by two billion euros. That's one point six seven billion pounds a year earlier than intended, and also reduced their break-even point by forty percent compared to twenty nineteen. So that's all. That's all. That's all rather good. I'm always surprised when I see these things that like people, are, you know, companies are two years ahead of uh, ahead of schedule and all the rest. Mm. And you think, how bad were you before? They're often quite grim, to be honest. Yeah, that things obviously get to such a point that they they have to get this. There's, it just feels sometimes that despite themselves, some companies still keep going, and then this somebody comes in and goes, "Have you looked at this, lads? This is a bit." awful let's see if we can fix things yeah that 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 yes you get that feeling some days yes but it's interesting also to see that at a time when they decide that they and nissan will stop trying to fire things at each other at the various trenches across no man's land that well, they're right. able to concentrate on oh the business yeah yeah i think because so. nissan are I doing think so. similar I, I, I was about to say has anybody told nissan yet but yeah, I think that's a really good point. That just 
actually being able to focus on the business, you know, having a, a promising looking range of, of future vehicles, a little bit of um, divergence into into some new markets, and having a strategy around sustainability. I mean, to be honest, Renault and, and Group and Dacia and everything, they do seem to be making a lot of sense right at the minute. And I think that there's some motor manufacturers that we look at and you go, where's the strategy here mm. what's what do yeah. you what do you actually want out of it not only has renault got a strategy but you look at the models that they're previewing and showing yeah. off and you think i'm not talking about the, exactly the 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 range they've got right now but the stuff that's no. coming down the pipeline and you go that actually looks good i'm interested in you for the first mm. time in ages it's a shame on the the hotter side of things that it's not happening, but that is a French law thing that, as much that's as anything. very much regulatory rather than But they've got else, Alpine, yeah. and that is sort of the exciting bit. They've got, as you say, Dacia in there that is doing, uh, that is looking at the more affordable end of the range. And they've, and, and as you say, they've all got a clear plan and, and well, a strategy of how they are moving it, forward. It's, it's multidimensional. So it doesn't matter if one or the other doesn't quite work quite at the time. There's still other parts there that, that can be there. And some of the other, some other companies come out with strategies and we occasionally talk about them and, and they say, well, they're announcing this big thing. And you think, well, that's only one thing. Hmm? And it does seem to stick that there's only sort of one path or one aspect to those companies. And it's, I suppose in my mind, it's some of the smaller companies. But you just don't see that. There's there's some organisations where they they make announcements like this, and they make a number of announcements. You think, okay, there's a whole ooh, there's a whole bunch of ways you can go here. That's a nice. You're thinking about lots of stuff. Mm, I don't think it's just the small. There's there is one particularly big company that I am concerned at their plans. I won't go as far as to say strategy because I don't believe it is a strategy, mm. but their plans because I, I really worry about them. That it, mm. it is all or nothing, and if this doesn't mm -hmm. come off, they are in deep trouble. Yeah, there's a few like that. Yeah, there's a few like that. But it, but it's good to see because, as we always say when we talk about these things, the more car companies there are actually existing, the better it is for us as buyers because we've got options. Well, that's it. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, Renault uh, was also talking about something else, weren't they? in their when they announced their profits because they were talking about how they might split the uh, internal combustion engine and hybrid business away from the ev uh, side of things but that's outside france isn't it but yes and the idea being to move it outside france now that makes a lot of sense well it's not a great thing because you really want them to you know you want a french company to be french but moving it outside of france so that it is it, it, it's maybe not that it's maybe not a French business still does have benefits for for Renault, uh, especially uh, especially as it's a global business. So remember, Renault sells quite quite a lot of cars in uh, Central and Southern America, as well as North Africa, um, and, and across the whole the whole African market. Really, those are areas that aren't going to be moving to to EVs and and hybrids as quickly. Mm -hmm. Now there is a chance that what Renault wants to do is it wants to split off its ranges. So that basically they can say, well, no, those are not, you know, that's a different company that deals with, with other countries. Therefore, when it comes to targets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, look, here is, we, we are proper Renault. Yeah. And, and this is, this is our European entity and we deal with Europe that, that other company over there, which happens to be 
majority owned by us but isn't us mm. is dealing with with those other places so you can't include that in all our in our targets etc so so they're exempt from the european regulations and if there was changes might even just be french regulations you know yeah well okay so local then local hmm. regulations that may or may not include or start to include vehicles that are built and sold across the globe because you can see that easily yeah. starting to happen yeah the way that the regulators have gone with, oh, well, in Europe we need this, and then somebody just, all it needs is one one little comment of, yes, but all of us breathe all of the air across the whole globe. <laughs> yes, uh, so, which is, which is, and we want good air. Yes. Uh, but the, <laughs> quickly jumping in there, <laughs> that reasoning for it is speculation on my part. That was a, a, an expression yeah. of opinion rather than reporting. And me, something that yeah. I've read. And yeah. that's from both of us. That was, the, that was our little opinion piece. <laughs> yes. One of our little opinions. Lots of opinion pieces tonight. Mm. Anyway, uh, you, you mentioned something about options earlier on. I almost made a joke about, well, Lotus are going to be offering options, aren't they, Andrew? Well, possibly they are. And this is the news that the division Lotus Technology, which is based in China, will build their non-sporting electric goods, but they will also... <laughs> electric goods, electric models, thank you. Yeah, electric goods, same things. <laughs> <laughs> It's for all the scooters that they're going to make. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> that are very lightweight and go wonderfully well around towns. Uh, but I'm, I am joking there. But they are uh, they are feeling out, I think is the way to do this. They are feeling out possible investors to see whether they'd be interested in buying shares in a uh, IPO-listed division of Lotus. Mm. And now if that is met positively as they go around the, the globe and uh, approach people, then they will either launch in Asia, London, or New York, where they haven't decided yet. <laughs> so yes, no po anywhere, yes. possibly. Could be anywhere. But within 12 to 24 months of the finish of their fact-finding mission to see, see whether there's actually any appetite for it or not, mm -hmm. Um, they hope to have the uh, division uh, valued at five to six billion. Well, and, and that's off the back of the fact that they, they, they've been telling investors that they plan to sell 100,000 cars a year by 2028. And you know what? If it wasn't Geely backing them, I wouldn't believe it for a second. Well, we'd wonder if a certain gentleman was back in charge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're saying 90,000 of those be electric saloons and SUVs, which will be produced by this Lotus technology. So the idea is expand the brand, build SUVs and saloons, but do that in China, keep Hethel in Norfolk for all the sports stuff and all the really special stuff. So are they are they making Lotus more of a premium brand now? Is that the idea that has so. that a much more idea. sporty bent to it? But, but, but the, the, the Porsche style -y. Okay. Porsche, right, yeah. Porsche style, you know, yeah, the, yeah, you, sell your, you, you sell the the um, you, you sell the 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 crossovers. The 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 I've now forgotten the name of the the KN. Thank you. Oh, eventually, uh, you sell the the KNs, the 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 Taycans, and that kind of stuff. And they're those are your volume sellers, and that's what enables you to build the the nine elevens and your GT threes and your Boxsters and stuff. Mm. But but on a smaller scale, than yeah, that, you know. Yeah. Oh, good. Good luck to them. I, I, I never like hearing companies trying to go on the shares because then suddenly they are pushed for growth, and it is only growth 
and it can only be yeah. growth and that that worries me because then you're chasing something that you're chasing something that you can never achieve yes they are at least aiming for it with a physical product as opposed to something as opposed to an app though so it is mm. slightly different slightly different ish right do you want to take us to india possibly or closer to home <laughs> well yes uh, close to home in this case because it's coventry so the indian firm called ola electric who i've not really heard of i don't it's a kind of new one on me i don't know about you andrew but they are a fledgling mobility firm and they're hoping to set up an engineering design center in the uk and obviously do it in coventry because that's the place to do this kind of stuff the site in Coventry will work with design engineering teams that they already have in Bangalore, in India. And the idea is that they'll work on two- and four-wheel vehicle design, advanced high-performance automotive engineering, uh, all sorts of modeling, and R&D, R&D stuff. So uh, it's intending on investing £100 million over the next five years in the site in Warwickshire, bringing 200, designer, 200 jobs in the form of designers and automotive engineers. It's an interesting one, this. Because as we are funneled more towards active travel and all the rest of it, it opens up, I believe, to some of these countries or companies from countries where they are not predominantly run on the private motor car. Yes. And it is things like the, the, the scooters. Not not as in EV scooters, but you know, the, the Honda mopeds and stuff like that. That that's their background, that they come at it from that angle and how mm-hmm. mobility very much is that way. It means something different. It doesn't necessarily mean air-conditioned car share or whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I forgot to say, by the way, Vice President of Design for Ola is Wayne Burgess, previously mm. of Aston Mon and Jaguar. Yeah, there's a, he was over in India recently. There was a bunch of pics that looked lovely where he was. Oh, right. Well, I, w- I would imagine he wasn't a million miles away from from um, from Bangalore then. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, putting two and two together. <laughs> right. I'm going to talk about tyres. And I'm going to talk about mm. a, a UK startup that is trying to uh, muscle their way into the global tyre uh, industry. And they have designed and built a a tyre specifically for EVs where they give greater efficiency and they also don't break down uh, as quickly as normal tyres. Now, you know that we reported that Mission Motorsport did the hypermiling with the Zoes? Yes, and I spotted this sponsorship. One of the cars, which didn't click with me at the time, ran on the tyres of Enzo, and another one ran on the tyres um, from uh, Michelin, their Primacy. Uh-huh. OE Michelin Primacy rubber, which is their dedicated EV ones. Yeah, the standard the standard one that would come on, come on your Zoe. Now, I noticed this sponsorship as well, but I knew nothing about the company and just and thought it was a, another sort of Chinese or Korean company coming yeah. along. So... When I read this, uh, when I read this story, I was like, "Oh, oh, hang on! I completely misunderstood that." But then they'd not really mentioned it. No, the no, they the, weren't. The they weren't thing. ready to. Um, but what happened is the car that went the furthest was actually on the Enzo tires. Right. So that's oh, wow. interesting that it sort of backs up the efficiency. They are currently in testing to see exactly how much more efficient and how much less the tires degrade 
on mm. an EV than, shall we say, competing rubber does. Because there are some companies that pretend, oh no, there's there's no difference with an EV, even though they're heavier. But yet you've got some who've said, actually, they can um, go through 50% quicker mm-hmm. from some companies uh, have said that that's the, that's the case. So it's, th- this is something, because we have talked about the microplastics from tyre pollution, and that has become more and more of a thing that is being looked at by regulators and by people mm-hmm. looking at pollution, particularly in built-up areas, that now it's not just the tailpipe, it's the tyres, it's the brake dust, it's all, it's all the bits combining together. This is another key important part of making the cars as efficient as possible also as clean as possible one other thing about the enzo the enzo tires is that uh is that you won't be able to just wander into quick fit and mm. ask them to be fitted to your to your car uh what they're doing is they're, they're selling leasing almost them on a subscription model where the idea is you you pay a subscription which works out at somewhere around slightly below one pence per mile and that sort of, you know, when you need new tires, you just get new tires. That's it. But that's not necessarily going to be on a personal basis. So so don't even expect to be able to go out and do that. Not anytime soon, that's for sure. Not anytime soon. Instead, it's going they're going to be going to to fleets, first of all. It's a system that's used in fleets in in haulage and for bus companies. Mm-hmm as well where you just basically pay a set amount every month and, and when you need tires you get tires uh, and, and that's the way it is it is they are saying it is tire as a service model you know where i can who i can see picking this up for more for us the public as more and more car companies get into subscription services themselves yeah. that this is part of that package that enzo has a deal with volvo with hyundai whoever it is who's got whoever you are saying right i'm paying you x a month x amount a month mm-hmm. Uh, and that gives me the option to pick between two cars per month or whatever it, whatever the system is. And I think we need to do a, a special edition pretty soon about what the options are out there for subscriptions because there's more yes. and more interesting things that are occurring. And yes, it would be and quite a lot of them are happening in North America. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you you will be able to give us a personal experience of that possibly soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I really like I like where Enzo are coming from. I like how they're approaching this, uh, and I like what they're trying to achieve. So, uh, uh, fingers crossed, it works. And they are trying them out with old, you know, DPD with Royal Mail. And to be honest, these courier drivers—they're the toughest audience you're going to get for these things. Mm-hmm. Really interesting to see how that comes along. Well worth keeping an eye on them, I think. Yeah. Do you want to? Um, do you want to take us to uh, to Japan? Always. <laughs> Hydrogen news, everyone, as half our audience switches off. Uh, no, but this time it's Toyota and Yamaha. It's lots of things that lots of AEV people love. <laughs> and they have developed between them a hydrogen-fueled V8 engine. And so this is obviously, it's hydrogen-fueled. We're not talking about a fuel cell here. We're talking about hydrogen combustion. A V8 putting out 449 brake horsepower. It's a reworking of their 5-litre that, that I was going to say standard uh, five liter V8, <laughs> V8 engine, uh, but it isn't particularly standard. Toyota and Yamaha, uh, along with many of the, the Japanese companies, so Mazda, Kawasaki, and Subaru, have pledged to keep on investigating combustion technology. And this seems to be one of the ways they're going. I mean, Toyota has already showed off a GR Yaris that is that is a race car that is hydrogen combustion powered before that there was a hydrogen combustion corolla mm-hmm. uh, which was being being run in Jap- 
Japan's Super Taiku race series that's worth keeping a little bit of an, an eye on eye on this just to see what happens and what I, th- I think it makes um it's uh, it's obviously for parts of the world where or for vehicles that are going to do more than the battery electric technology can deal with at the moment mm. or mm. that have the infrastructure to handle battery electric vehicles now there was an article out today but I didn't get a chance to read it uh, and the person was very cross about hydrogen in but and I needed to read it more but there there is a balance with the hydrogen that hydrogen is not at the moment is not a green source of energy there are no, downsides not, not to its use uh, and and to extracting it and all the rest of it so we we do have to balance it out that it's not a like for like swap whereas no. there are still downsides with electric vehicles as well so it's everybody understanding all the pitfalls and all the uh, consequences of going down a certain route and us being able to make the best decision from that. And that includes deciding which negative effects are going to be the least worst. Yes. Because that's what they are. It's the least worst we're having to pick from. Totally. Totally. Yes. We've talked about the difference between green, blue and gray hydrogen in the past as well. So we're mm-hmm. not gonna, let's, let's not labor that one, partly because I can't remember the exact definitions. No. And, uh, you know, this goes out on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting. It's worth keeping an eye on. I think it's, it's, yeah, for those people who can't possibly give up the idea of a combustion engine. Yeah. I'm going to take us now to the news that SMMT has called for a regulator to oversee EV public EV charging points. Uh, they want off-charge. Come on, Sigh. They want off-charge to overlook this all. But they want, they've got a seven-point plan, they say, of making sure that the, the customer... Uh, is at the centre of all these things, where it needs to be fair, it needs to be equitable, and they are talking about particularly making sure that the location of charging points, particularly rapid charging points, happens equally across the entire country and is yeah. not just as it is at the moment, more southeast centralised. It needs to be expanded beyond that because we have seven and a bit years before you cannot buy an electric an, an internal combustion engine vehicle so we need to improve our infrastructure uh, i have personal experience of our local one which on paper looks brilliant compared to where it was 4 years ago yeah 4 years ago we had one 7 and a half kilowatt charging point that was in the, it was in the council car park which they shut the gates on at five o'clock each night and it was shut over the weekend. So you were stuffed, really, because you could never get in it during the day because someone else was using it. Yeah. We've now got 20-something, low 20s. Of that, though, there are only two that are uh, rapid charging points. Now, mm. the way they've been set up in the local supermarket is poor and they're not currently running at rapid charging levels. They are running at less than yeah. the slower ones. But then, just just as an example of this, because I think this is very key. and This needs could to, take some time, everyone. This needs to be brought into this whole idea. And I know when I mentioned this on Twitter, SMMT did retweet this. But it is the 
it is not just having enough out there. It is having the right ones in the right location because all the slower charging points around me are in places that have parking restrictions on them that yes. are between an hour and 90 minutes, which and you're not does not get a lot. charge you up much. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It's, 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 yeah, right thing in the right place. You know, we've, we've yep. got... You know, it really does need to move to this kind of infill model now to make sure there is that spread right across the whole country. Yeah, I actually think this is a good idea, by the way. Absolutely. I uh, uh, Mocking the name aside, hmm. I do think something needs to be done where they are chatting with the providers because they, they have a key part to play in this. And they're not these companies aren't daft. They don't want to produce. They don't want to put something in place that nobody wants to use. Yeah, it's not cheap for because them. they want to make money off this. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So there's a little bit of carrot, a little bit of stick. I think is needed there. Yep. Yep. Do you want to take us to Wales now, though? Yes. Speaking about charge points and places where there there have been none, Gridsurf have they have opened a an EV charging hub. Uh, in conjunction with Moto, and they've done it at the Moto Swansea Services, Junction 47 of the M4. It's got six 350-kilowatt rapid chargers, which in theory can give 100 miles of range in as little as 10 minutes on EV models that support that speed of charging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, all the people who go to Pembrokeshire will be happy now with their electric vehicles. <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah, quite. So I, I think there's a, it's a gateway, I think. But yeah, no, this is a good thing because, you know, for ages, Wales has been a charger black hole, really. Yeah. Uh, there's just been absolutely nothing. So I think this is great news. Yes. It's, it's GridServe's looking to put in more and more of these hubs uh, right around the country. It's a good thing. Yep, absolutely. We're going to see more and more of this, and this is good. Fantastic. I think that's about the end of the first part. Sorry if not everybody's run has uh, has been completed perfectly yet. <laughs> yeah, that's 20, 29 minutes. That's, that's, that's not bad. Uh, it is the end of the first part. That means it is guilt minute, and that quick and, quick break in the show where I still haven't written a new script. But it's the point where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. Uh, if you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to sit and watch the show recorded live. Uh, we also have a small range of merch. Thank you to all of those of you who have bought the merch. There's my colleague there is showing off some of the merch <laughs> and sent us pictures, including the ones that you said, please don't, don't, don't post these on the internet. Uh, so that is, that is extremely, uh, extremely welcome to be perfectly honest. It's, it's great. So yes, you can find that in our spring store. You can do you can get there by going to our website, motoringpodcast.com. If you can't afford any merch or if you don't desire another t-shirt, coffee mug, or pint glass, uh, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, because you're awesome, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes. And thank you, everybody, who's been chatting with us about uh, certain elements of the show recently. That's really appreciated, mm, actually. Yes, just quite a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's been, it's been good fun. Yes, a couple of people brought up the disparity between 
different podcast playing platforms and their ability to show pictures and all that kind of thing as well. That's yes, really unfortunately, we are aware of that. Uh, yes, that is, we can't. Um, we, there's just nothing we can do about that because we don't control that. Yeah, that you'd be amazed at what is possible now with an RSS feed of information that can be pushed out, but so many podcast players do not have the capability. They just have very limited support. Yeah. And it's completely variable. Some of the ones you'd think would support it just don't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's annoying. It's why we experimented was to try and find out a little bit about that kind of stuff as well and just find out what worked where and for how many of our listeners. So yep. the feedback is really appreciated. Yes. New, new car news. No, no. Quick first before oh, we no, get there. Oh, no. Pardon me. Yes, w, I'm sorry. Quick sorry, bit of sorry. WRC uh, housekeeping. They have finalized their calendar, which is interesting considering we're nearly on the second event of the year. <laughs> but they have confirmed now that Rally Belgium will be hosting the event on the 18th to the 21st of August. They were brought in last year, but this really tough tarmac rally is back again, which is great because I, th- I thought it was fabulous. Also, they're going to have bits of it at Spa. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that'll be great as well because hopefully Spa is fully repaired by then <laughs> and, and has no more dreadful storm damage. <laughs> No, that was awful. That was awful. Um, Still, but, at least being at Spa means there might be some kind of hill involved. Yes, well, I think that was part of the problem. Uh, mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's great to see that they've finally tied it all down now for this year. So uh, we can just crack on and enjoy, which I think it is Sweden this week. I think so. It's just coming up very, very soon. Yes. Yes, because Colin Clark was flying out today. So I presume he's not there for two weeks. No, no, I imagine he'll be, he'll be there this week. Yeah, Rally Sweden was great. I got all the pic, the picture memory thing came up recently, reminding me. <laughs> well, it was reminding me of the black across Germany in the Hyundai i thirty eight, which we then joined Toyota to then go out to Rally Sweden, and then yeah, there, yeah. quicker than flying. Don't forget this this next one. Mm. There's no Lobe. There's no Ogier. So it is the current main drivers. So we will get to see how well the Toyota does because it, Evans was just unlucky in the last one having his, his off and how much the uh, the Puma can push as well. Mm-hmm. Hyundai have announced this week that they don't expect to make any great strides until Portugal, uh, right. which is not really surprising. Ouch. So yes. but this, this year's a write-off. Uh, effectively, which might have something to do with why Adamo had to go. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Anyway, new new car news. New new car news. Uh, The (laughs) trouble is the only new new car news has been uh, so far this week have been big headline things that everybody's been talking about. (laughs) And I know that because I log into YouTube and I think last night I could have watched almost two hours worth of video all about the Volkswagen ID buzz. So there's not really a lot that we can add to that, plus all the plus all the stuff you can read about it. Mm. Uh, Volkswagen have announced some specs. They've let people drive pre-production versions of the electric van bus thing. Mm. So van bus, midlife crisis mobile. There's lots of stuff about that out there. Go and have a go and have a reader, a listener, a watch, uh, or whatever your your preferred platform is for that, because we can't really add anything to what those guys. 
have been saying. Um, I mean, it'd be wonderful. I mean, you'd kind of hope there's going to be a bit more charging infrastructure in Cornwall over the next couple of years, because the number of, of, of these that are going to end up down there is possibly going to be massive during the summers. Yeah, but the I have to say, the initial... The initial ones are just a bit underwhelming in their specs. I have. It's all say. a bit new Defender at the minute. Oh, but I can't put my mountain bike straight in the back like I can in a D5. Well, it's not so much that for me, because I'd, I'd already mentioned that when we covered it a while ago, because you could see that in the pictures. But it's more the how far it's going to go. Yeah, and there's, 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 I, think I think that's the reality, uh, I, they need to be very careful how they sell this. Otherwise, they're going to have an awful lot of Middle England being incredibly angry <laughs> because they haven't read the specs. Middle England with their mountain bikes. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, we'll see. Anyway, so uh, lots of that kind of stuff. The other one's the Ford Ranger Raptor. Basically, the new Ford Ranger is going to reach the UK in Raptor spec first. It puts out 280-something horsepower here. People are grumbling that that's less than it's going to put out in Australia and America, but I'm sure you'll be able to fix that one in the aftermarket. If you want to, um, as someone we know pointed out to someone who was discussing that on Twitter, yeah, void your warranty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But people will do it. People will do it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. You, you but that, that has been done because of EU regulations. Yes, it is. Yes, so lots of stuff like that. Anyway, uh, so those are the only two ones. Everybody's talking about them. You can't move for that news. Nothing else really coming through. So there's the next thing that's written in here. It says, Alan at the Parapom. And I didn't add this, so somebody else can lead it. Yeah, Alan, hoping to build on the good showing last year of, what was it, yeah. 11th? Something Out like of that. many, many people. About 60, yeah. Yeah, at Toyota's Parallel Pomeroy Trophy event at mm-hmm. Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, rocked up, I imagine feeling not overly confident, but mm. quietly confident because mm. he was taking the grim. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He he likes he likes these sort of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a backup, Johnny the Yaris was attending as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Alan, how did it go? Not very well. Really? What happened? 55th out of 62. Uh, I, I, um, and how many cones have you had to put, you know, like World War II, what fighter planes they painted, like, <clears throat> you know, the, the enemies they've cut down. How many cones have you had to paint on the side of your car? Uh, only one cone. <laughs> uh, and the fact that I also uh, got the, got the exercise wrong. Wrong. Yes. Which meant that, well, yes, yes, I, I, I sort of missed a gateway uh, towards the end, which is what, precipitated the cone incident and yeah got it wrong so my what should have been a 15 or 16 second run because of the way this works you then get the slowest complete run plus an extra 10 point penalty for hitting the cone on that particular test so that sort of stuffed me quite badly um so instead of being a 15 or 16 on that score i was 33 ouch yeah yeah, so that knocked did, did me down. Did someone the... threaten to take the keys of the Grim off you for for embarrassing the Grim so badly? No, but I, I, well, I think so. Well, when you consider that exactly the same car, apart from the fact that, of course, he's on summer tires and not winter tires, like I was as well. But what was the weather like, Alan? Before we go down the tire route, <laughs> <laughs> it was foul. It was so, bitterly so cold. Are you suggesting perhaps that the tires didn't actually make that much difference? I'm suggesting nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. No, Cam was much quicker than I was, uh, as was Ash in his as well. He came in at twenty seconds, so I was quite an embarrassment, really. How was um, how was Jim McGill? Where where was he placed on? He was better than me as well. Was yeah. he? Yeah. Okay. And what was he driving? Driving Miss Daisy in a, in a borrowed car. He was forty six. Oh dear, Alan. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, so yes, that was a little bit shameful uh, this year, to be honest. Um, but 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 the important bit is, it was a fab day out. Uh, it was it was really good. If you do own a Toyota, or or if you're in a position to perhaps maybe borrow one from the Toyota Heritage fleet next year, do get your do get in, do get in and get uh, and 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 see if you can get one of the seventy five or so slots that they have. It does look great fun. I mean, I I only saw uh, in the evening. I was scrolling through Twitter because I didn't have a chance to try and keep up with it live, and it did look. Even though the weather looked appalling, it was great. Even in seeing inside the car, it was bitter. You have to open the window to speak to the marshals. And you think, oh, God, it's so cold. And then you think, oh, but they're standing out in it. And then you think, no, but I'm allowed to get warm and then cold and warm and cold. Uh, but it was great. And as You're ever Scottish. with these things, I know. You feel that was how, that's how flipping cold it was. No, uh, I think you've been down south too long. Uh, I, I, no, yeah, no, no, not yet. You're going to have your Scottish passport taken off you soon. <laughs> not, allowed, not, not even allowed to vote. Yeah, but a great day. As ever with any car event, it's made by the people, not by the cars. And it was so great to, to catch up with so many folk, uh, uh, friends, people I hadn't, hadn't met before, chatted to lots on Twitter or listened to the listened to podcasts and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, it was just really nice to catch up with everyone. So everyone I spoke to, thank you. It was It was, it was fab. Um, and everybody seemed to enjoy it. I saw the perfect car for you to take next year. Oh dear! Bearing in mind the requirements uh, yeah. and um, how oh, certain I'm, vehicles I get, that bit, yeah. get uh, yeah, you can explain that in a second. How certain vehicles get a bit of leeway depending on sizes and mm. seats and all this sort of stuff. But what's the? Uh, and I, I I didn't get a chance to take a picture. But what's the Toyota that looks a lot like the Mitsubishi Delica? Oh, that's an old high ace. Yeah, there's an old high ace camper van and stuff. And did, did but it was four wheel drive as well. It was all raised up, and I thought, I, 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 sh- I, I'm, I was in such a rush, I just didn't get a chance to take a photograph. But I thought that is the perfect one by the sounds mm. of the rules that would give you the maximum chance yeah. to do as well as you could. So the whole thing is based on on a formula by a chap called, I think his first name was Lawrence, uh, but Pomeroy. Anyway, that's that's where it comes from. And the idea was to be able to work out the perfect touring car or the best touring car. And so there's a number of thing, different things are taken into to account, including the ability to the ability to carry uh, two pieces of luggage of a set size. It's got to be a minimum of two seats. And then there's a formula worked out based on the age of the vehicle the engine capacity whether it's forced or natural induction whether it's mid-engined or front-engined and the overall length of the vehicle and to do with the length of the vehicle the length from pedals to an axle to driven axle and stuff like that this goes into a formula which gives you a weighting so my very very slow time really was a heavy weighting against me as Mm -hmm. a result also then had a heavy weighting because Small car should be quite agile, etc., cetera, et cetera, and and quick and and power uh, and stuff. So hence it really hit me. 
uh, and knocked me right back down. It's all based around that. So the thing is, it doesn't matter what car you have. I mean, the winner was a 1.3 liter, completely uh, mechanically standard. The body isn't, uh, and neither, um, but mechanically standard Toyota Starlet. Other vehicles that did really well and significantly better than me, there was a V12 5-liter Toyota, I won't say Nissan, a Toyota Century, uh, and seeing the driver inadvertently drifting that was quite interesting. There was a Blade Master G. RAV4 did quite well. There was a RAV4, I'm sure. Yes, well, the RAV4 did quite well because the RAV4 was, the Mark 1 RAV4 from the Toyota Heritage Fleet was being driven by a touring car driver, uh, Rory Butcher. That's oh. why one of the reasons the RAV4 did quite well. He still only came eighth, though. Rory Butcher, who's confirmed he's staying with uh, the Dynamics BTCC team today, actually. Oh, right. Did he? Well, yep. no, he hadn't, obviously. He hadn't said that on Saturday. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, there were two two starlets ahead of him in, in that. Uh, and a Yaris T-Sport. Let's not talk too much about that. Uh, uh, but <laughs> So there's lots of... So, you know, it's even... 20th was uh, an automatic events CD, CDX entered by the Association of Heritage Engineers uh, with some of their, their some of their younger folk, the three of their younger folk d- doing that. So lots of different vehicles, really good fun, nice day out, chance to chat to folk, and if the weather's nice, point I'll have people point at your car and point at their cars. Uh, just really good. Mm. Yeah, there is a link to uh, the Toyota article and some pictures uh, explaining mm-hmm. what the day was about, how it went, uh, and you can also see some of the vehicles that were there and some of the people who did well yeah. uh, and everything. So, uh, And also, uh, I think, is it the hashtag Parapom? Yeah, go back on, on Twitter, you'll see a, a ton of stuff on it. It's great to see the things, some nice vids and stuff like that, as well as uh, everybody else who's there. Um, one or two that... Uh, Possibly poking a little bit of fun at Alan. Possibly just just a smidgen. Just quite a, smidgen. a lot poking. Quite a lot of fun at me. Well, that's what happens when you're a personality, Alan. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Would require having one. Anyway, Andrew, lunchtime read. Come on, let's get back lunchtime on read. Uh, well, the on the fifteenth of Feb, we were uh, we had the the sad news that PJ O'Rourke uh, died, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously everybody knows that he's a fabulous, fabulous writer. But uh, I decided this week that we would put in his car and driver review of taking the Ferrari 308 GTS cross country because it's just, you know, we like wonderful writing and we want to, sh- we want to make sure that you get to see it. And this is just a reminder of, of how good PJ O'Rourke is. And it is something us, us people who, who witter on about cars can aspire to. Mm-hmm. Never hope to hit, but we can aspire to <laughs> this sort of level of wonderful, uh, just explaining a, a tale, and it, and it is just great. He did, he used to be a regular contributor to US car, US motoring magazine Car and Driver, mm. and yeah, just brilliant rating. I mean, he's he's the chap who coined the phrase "the fastest car in the world's a rental." Mm. So if you've never heard of PJ Rook, you probably heard that that before, and and, and that's straight from him. Lots of stuff, not just motoring related. Um, read a few of his books. Um, great stuff. I, I really need to reread this this uh, as my lunchtime read. So, yep, it's very very good. List of the week this week is from it's from Haggerty as ever. It's by Alistair Sutty, and it's nine classic four by fours that aren't Land Rovers. So that suits me down to the ground. Yeah, but it's a slight fib. 
Is it? When you scroll oh, down. I haven't scrolled all the way down. And they do apologize for it. It's one's going to be a Santana or something. No. Oh, it's not. It's that one there. I've just seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andrew, do you have any particular favorites? Yes, particular favorite for me is the Suzuki SJ. Uh, that is mainly yeah. because there was a family friend who owned one. We had one. And I remember there was one particular drive that we're going along with him. He's a, a, older, he's at my dad's age, uh, and he, we were going a, a, off onto a, a job somewhere. Uh, and every time he, he wanted to speak, mm. the, his foot would come off the accelerator while he concentrated on the words he was saying. Oh, gee, that's <laughs> so just we would go along, And then we would slow down to about 25 miles an hour if he got really involved in this point he wanted to make. And then when he'd finished talking and he was listening to us reply, he'd put his foot back down again and we'd speed up to relatively 45-ish. You know, you didn't oh. want to go much faster than that in one of them. <laughs> we, we had one uh as uh, as well we had a, and the sj410 not the later 413 so it had the one liter engine i didn't know how much power it put out i knew it wasn't much i remember it being not much 45 brake horsepower according to to this this article um That's so awesome. just yeah 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 um and yeah ours was a soft top with a hard top on it mm-hmm. and 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 it used to leak into the driver's footwell oh nice yeah yeah so dad so mum or dad would be driving along in the rain with this drip landing on their ankle. Loved it. Ugh. D145 ESL. No, it doesn't seem to still be around anymore. Funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally this week. Yeah, and finally, uh, for a company that keeps being accused of sticking in the mid-17th century or something due to some ways that they try and build their cars, Morgan has done something very modern, and they are they are sharing their uh, their factory and workshops with us via a drone flight. Now, there's a couple of times I ducked whilst watching this, um, but it is awesome, awesome, particularly when they flew through the bonnet. But this is an awesome thing just to get an idea of how big the operation is and all the things that are going on. But also, they were seeing those overlanders that they've got. Um, mm. That that was very. I may have paused for quite a while there, looking at the different ones that were built up there such a such a fanboy oh, i am of oh, god yes you really They'll are sell any or those. all of the children for one of them not a problem yeah <laughs> and without any coaxing either. in fact you'll just sell any or all of the children it doesn't have to be a morgan at the end of it no it is very cool the most impressive bit about it i think is is that people don't look at the drone goodness knows how many there's, takes they had to do there's one that slightly ducks yeah yeah, but other than yeah. that, everyone just carries on. No, I wouldn't have been able to. There's no chance I could have. And no. fair dues to the pilot, because that, like I said, there was a couple of times I went, Whoa, okay, that was close. And there's some hangy downy stuff too. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's really cool. It was really excellent. Have a, have a look at it. And it's, it's, de- it's one of those definitely not CGI type things. Yeah, just three minutes. Awesome. Yeah, well worth your time. Well worth your time. Anyway, uh, that's us for this week. Not really anything to announce at the end. Maybe a special edition, hopefully, as long as there's no drama or excitement tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> then um, <laughs> as we just jinxed it. So no special edition this week. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I yep. think it's you and someone else next week, isn't it, Andrew? Possibly. 
Possibly. Oh, okay. Right. It's, it's getting like that, I think, at the minute. So, yes, uh, I shall leave you uh, on that thought. But don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget that you can support us financially via Patreon. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more about the Parapom, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Get in touch with me via Twitter, please. Where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.